I'm going to cut all this out. So don't worry about like what you say right now. I'm just going to chop this out. I have total <laughs> power here. There's nothing you can say or do that you that, that I don't control at this point. So. <laughs> <laughs> Good morning, Dallas, and welcome to Downloadable Coffee, or DLC, the podcast where we discuss game industry-related events that happened recently, as well as those events that are coming up, and articles that were discussed in the Video Game Open Coffee Club. I'm one of your hosts, Daniel Shea, and joining me today are some people. Like Trey Hodge. <laughs> and Rebecca Easton. All right, so here's... <laughs> We'll get like the second part of that introduction figured out. <laughs> well, how have you guys been since last week? Um, a lot of fun stuff has been happening. Like I mentioned before, I'm shutting down my company, so I'm currently learning all the things you do to shut down. <laughs> and that's been a trip. Um, plus untangling rat nests, so that's been fun. Other than that, uh, I've been making small headway on some of the, some of like the. The, I'm getting back into my indie author stuff, so I've been making some push to get uh, to get some of the writing done in that. Cool. cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, life's pretty good. I got a little bit of – actually, it's a pretty bad headache. Not migraine level, uh, but, like, pretty bad headache level, I guess, today. So I'm – but I'm, I'm hanging in there. Life's, life's pretty good. Life's pretty good. Did I just kill everyone's buzz? <laughs> no, about no you? it's fine. And I can always just cut all this stuff out. Yeah. Censor <laughs> Shay's pain. Uh, That's yeah. why we keep Trey around. How are you, Trey? You've been moving I'm okay. like, a, like a champ. I've been moving since uh, August. We moved from Colorado to Louisiana to look for a job in San Marcos, Texas, which I finally got one in November. Moved down here in November to New Braunfels, drove from New Braunfels to San Marcos, bought a house, moved into the house, but didn't move into the house. All of our stuff was still in Shreveport and storage. So this weekend, we finally went, got the budget truck, packed it up. And so now our house that was completely empty, now we can't walk through because of boxes and furniture. So yes, moving, moving is a thing, and I'm glad to be done with it since I've moved like 11 times in the past three years. So... Gosh. Yeah. yeah. Moving is rough. I do not envy you. Gonna be here for the next three to five until my prison sentence is over. <laughs> <laughs> until yeah. my wife gets done with school. <laughs> well, glad you're getting settled in soon. Um, so let's talk about some of the things that have happened happened recently. Trey, you weren't able to make it out, but a lot of our members were able to make it out to the IGDA winter party that was yes. on Saturday. Which was fabulous. It was mm-hmm. a hella good time. Yeah, that space, for those that don't know, we used to have it at a space something somewhat similar to that. We had it at with a company that was called Mo- Modus, uh, which was a motion capture company. So this was kind of like returning back to the old times, and it was great to just see how many, how many people could be fit in that space and everything. And they had a ton of raffle prizes. Yes, they did. Yeah, it took them. It had to be at least an hour to to rattle off all the prize winners. That that seemed to. And they they said that they're they're working on streamlining those processes so that next year it goes much smoother. Um, but yeah, it, it it took forever to get through the raffle prizes. It was exciting though. 
Yeah, there's a guy that one of my friends that was there had bought like $20 worth of raffle tickets. So he just pulls out this long roll roll of stuff. (laughs) Yeah, they had to institute a house rule that said you couldn't win more than three prizes. (laughs) And and one guy I think would (laughs) have, I'm pretty sure they called his name, I I think a fourth time. I don't know, definitely... uh, I think he won two in a row at one point, and everyone was like, what? Yeah. Wow. The thing that I love most about the IGDA Winter Party is the yeah. indie alley. I absolutely love that. Oh, yes. They don't just have video game developers there. They also have board, board game de- developers as well as VR going on. And I believe the VR this time around was ran by Gearbox. Gearbox. They were showing off, uh, what is what is their game? Borderlands. Borderlands 2 for the VR. They were showing that off. And can't forget, Jose was there as well, showing off Snake Crane Wolf. And it sounds that he was blowing up our Discord afterwards. It's just like all the feedback that he got from, from that show. There's a lot of people hanging around the booth. It was it was pretty cool to watch. Trey, I, I wish you had gotten to be there because I know you you did sound effects. Um yeah, I would I would love to. And there's a lot of there's a lot of sound effects that aren't getting used in the current build. And that's not his fault. That's a like uh, as you're putting this stuff together, it's a it's a implementation issue that uh, without middleware or at least within if you're not doing extra programming to have like a bin of sound effects. So there's like six or seven punch effects. And I know I was watching his video and there's only really one. So when you hit, you get one impact. But if you can get the bin of sound effects built in to where it will randomly pick from the six or seven different punch effects. Every single time you get hit, you'll have a different sound effect come out. And so I'm excited to see, I'm excited to see a final product when he's uh, done implementing all this feedback because I, I saw the pictures and it, it looked really, really great and really fun to have yeah. all these people come check out what he's been putting so much work and effort into. I would yeah. love to have been there. It, it looks gorgeous. Frankly, you, you, you couldn't really hear anything. Um, because I bet there's the like room, a million people there, right? <laughs> the room was so loud. Um, yeah, and, and um, I've mentioned before, I did music um, for the game, and so I had my business cards out. I don't think anybody could actually hear the music, but <laughs> but literally all my business cards got taken. It turns out, I guess my business cards are pretty damn cool looking, <laughs> and I've been sitting on these things for a year and not really handing them out. But uh, Shame on you. Multiple you have one people, on you? Mul- uh, I do. Like I, I see I, it. I, I yeah. Those of you listening, we're we're, we're actually video video skyping with each okay, other. Okay, this is yes. fantastic. I I foil stamped them, and so all these people are coming up really excited. Like, dude, how'd you get these business cards? You know, so like all these people are excited about it for the wrong reasons, but you know, like the fact that <laughs> no, they're any reason for the right any reason is a good yeah. reason. You know, if people are excited about the business card, cool. <laughs> like whether it's about my music or not, whatever, man. If you're taking the business card, okay. Networking one on one is having a rememberable leave behind, and this is a memorable leave behind. <laughs> There's the, the the biggest problems that I have whenever I go to these event these kinds of events is student with students that come is they all get the same like uh, a lot of them get the same kind of card over and over again. That's just like, it, it's, you, there's no difference. You're just like, oh, student number one. All right. I'll put that in my left pocket. Student number two. All right. Mm-hmm. Same card design. 
right? So having something like this, that's this like very good leave behind. And the fact that you have like Doremi's was just like, it sells. It's a yeah, selling. Put that thing back up there. Put that thing back up on the camera. Now that I, I remember, we can totally do this. Yeah. Get that back up a little bit. Back up a little bit. Oh, flip it around. Flip it around. It's a reverse camera. <laughs> Beautiful. Boom. That's going on the Insta. <laughs> <laughs> so so Please. you people can see what we're talking about. <laughs> if you go over to the Instagram and follow us at uh, Video Game Open Coffee Club. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What do we have? Video Game Open Coffee Club is on Twitter. Uh, oh, shoot. I normally have it, and I normally rattle them off. Like, Twitter, Instagram. We are on Facebook, of course. And meetup.com. Um, so, yeah, that was like, that is, that's my biggest pet peeve whenever I go to a lot of networking events is if you have the same boring card as like six other people, I'm not going to own a trash bin at the end of the day. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, I. Ray, Ray Taylor like it is. <laughs> but it, it's the truth. It's like the hard truth. And that's one of the things if you go to any of like the networking events that GDC puts on, they tell you sort of the same thing. It's like there's a filing system that everybody has because you receive so many business cards with within an event that if you're going to already say, well, if it's in like some will use their their lanyard and it's like if it's in the front pocket, those are the people I like. If it's in the back pocket. Those are the people I don't. If I put it in my left pocket, I don't like them. If I put it in my right pocket, I like these people. So it's really like you have this filing system that you're going through. And the more memorable these cards are, the more they stand out and you can link it to the person, the more likely that card's going to make it to the suction of people I want to stay with or keep in contact with, at least. I, I am, I, I'm thrilled that you have such an intricate filing system when, when people hand you a business card. This is. You have to. Whatever. When you get to that point, you guys will be like. No, you really do. Yeah. I, I love you had to figure out a way to stay uh, stay memorable even if you don't. That's why sometimes it's better to just be memorable and get contact info for the person versus you know, worrying about making sure you give a card to every single person because yeah. being able to follow up, which almost nobody does, like one out of every 15 people just expects someone with a card to get back in touch with them. And that's just not how it works. And that, that's so, yeah, the, the winter party was awesome. It yeah, was, it was a lot of fun. Uh, did, did you did you go to the drink up last week? I know that happened as well, I but it was did. You did? I did as well. On, the drink up. It was on Valentine's Day. So Liz and I, Liz and I skipped how, how yeah. was it? How was the turnout? It was actually a really good turnout. More couples than usual, uh, but it was still really good. I got to meet up with some people I hadn't seen. I say this all the time because it really is. Sometimes you you'll have you won't see some of these people for like a month or two because they're in crunch time and they'll pop up but like a little bit later and you're like, oh, you survived. Good to see you. Again. <laughs> so I <laughs> yeah. got to see some friends of mine that I hadn't in a while, uh, and you know, it was a whole bunch of chilling. Um, yeah, no, there's a, there's a lot of good stuff going on, on, there's a lot of good talks as usual. Um, so yeah, it's great. Sweet. Did anything else happen or was that it for last week? Uh, I think that was it. I mean, besides the IGDA party stuff is still sort of getting into full swing. The only other event that I saw actually do something was on Friday. There's a group that's called game nights events or game nights, social events. I can't tell. They have too many handles. Um, 
that was at a bar. So from what I understand and what I know, because I had met the guy briefly, he partnered up with different bars in the area to bring local devs games to the bars to be played. So if you're interested, maybe get in contact with him. I know on Instagram, it's game nights, social events should be the correct thing. Uh, yeah. I don't know the whole process or anything like that, but he's one guy that I, I'm keeping an eye out. Maybe I'll run into him again at the beer club. Sweet. Um, do we have anything coming? We've got GDC coming up. Oop, oh, don't. Hold on. Oh, hold on. <laughs> Space upcoming events. <laughs> okay. Upcoming events. Upcoming events. Upcoming events. Upcoming events. Upcoming events. Now we can go into upcoming events. I'm gonna keep these bumpers in one way or another. <laughs> Sweet. Um, all right. So upcoming events. You were saying GDC. GDC. When is that? That's second week of March. First week of March. Yeah. Both of those. One of those. Half of those. Game Developer Conference, it is on March 18th to March 22nd. And that is there, in I think there's still time to buy passes. There is, but I wouldn't at this point. Yeah. If you're, um, unless you're, so at this point in the game, unless you have connections that can get, kind of get you in, um, you're giving a talk, if there's any last minute talks, you can submit or drop a couple hundred just to get a student pass for like a day. Uh, those are the only ways you can go. At this point, it's actually way too expensive to try and buy a ticket. You are probably better off waiting until next year. What else? We gotta be <laughs> <laughs> All right, on that note. <laughs> Buzz kill. <laughs> we needed like a, we needed, I want to, oh man, I wish we had a picture of just that. I'm going to have a so blah, Both blah, of blah. you were just like soul crushed for a second. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> Trey, let's um, throw our own GDC. <laughs> that's right. We are going to throw our own GDC. Watch out. And we'll always sell tickets, whether it's right up to the line <laughs> or not. <laughs> no matter what we're working on, we will sell you a ticket. <laughs> uh, also, put on your calendars if you haven't seen it, unless I lost everything. Um, put on your calendars if you haven't seen it. The end of March is going to be the show and play with Dallas Society of Play. We also have the girl. Jeez. Oh, oh uh, black black girls code. Yeah, black girls yeah. you code. Yeah, that looks interesting. Yes, that is that is another thing that is coming up. I don't have specifics on that, but I did see Dallas Society of Play push out some info on it, and I just want to give it a shout out. All right, any other events? I can't think of any. Good job. All right. <laughs> Nothing else was mentioned, to my knowledge. Okay. Well, and it is not the last Tuesday of the month, so not even beer clubs happening yet. Now we're going to our recap. Recap. Uh, so we've got a few. There are several that kind of caught the attention in the Discord. Particularly, most of the news that I saw coming out was about copyright. Uh, people either stealing stealing the look of somebody or the dance of somebody. 
That's a copyright too. So if anybody if anybody goes and hits up the Instagram and steals my business card, I'll I'll just hunt you down. In Daniel the, LLC will definitely turn you into the copyright office. Yeah. All right. But since we brought that up, the Hollywood Reporter published an article yeah. mm-hmm. uh, titled "Copyright Office Refuses Registration for Fresh Prince Star Alfonso Ribeiro's Quote Carlton Dance." I would do it for you, but nobody could see it. So, uh, but principally, Ray and I want to see it. <laughs> no, you you don't. <laughs> um, the U.S. Copyright Office is skeptical about Alfonso Ribeiro's ownership claim over the signature Carlton Dance, which became famous after a 1991 episode of the Will Smith series. Um, and principally, he's most upset because Epic and Fortnite animated it, made it a taunt slash dance for Fortnite and began selling it and thusly giving nobody but Epic and Fortnite the money for the sales. And he decided to um, begin a lawsuit saying that they're stealing his moves and he wants to get paid for it. Um, And the copyright office is kind of not having anything of it. Um, We'll link the article in the show notes. There's about 10 different ways that they've disputed it. But in principle, they're saying that because he failed to register it back when in 1991, like he can't do it at this point. And NBC owns the show. And so NBC would have to be the people because they own the episode. And the only thing copyrighted from the episode is the episode. Like the dance is not copyrighted as something separate. And so as of current as of the current state, Fortnite is not breaking any kind of laws to copy and sell so if one of you hot to trot dancers decides you don't want your moves to get stole by Fortnite, you best get out and copyright it learn from uh, carlton's mistake yeah so this is the best point about this we had a friend talking earlier with me about it uh you can copyright your dances you would have to it sounds like you have to send a list or a description of what the dance is exactly specifically and <laughs> And if anybody tries to steal your dance, you can sue them. So I think that's the most interesting part about this article is that you can copyright dances. I didn't think that was something like as underneath like the freedom of speech. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. Like if people put time and creative energy into making a thing, like they should get to protect it. But yeah, it's a like on the one hand, I I I feel for him like if he spent his creative efforts making that up like and somebody else gets to sell it and make money off it when when they didn't like pay him to make it for them but like you said he didn't copyright it you know 20 or 30 years ago when he uh i guess likely should have <laughs> so following up on that news we also have Booker T making a claim against Activision's Black Ops 4 saying that they stole his image of his alter ego this is from TheVerge.com. Uh, the thing that he's saying here is professional wrestler Booker T. Huffman is suing because he believes that they stole from his comic book character G.I. Joe Bro for Call of Duty Black Ops 4. Uh, and that's that's just kind of it. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so the character is David Prophet Wilkins in that that his whole image and there's an image in the article that shows what David Prophet Wilkins looks like and that's what Booker T is saying he looks exactly like my character from G.I. Joe Bro. <laughs> <laughs> 
Or Booker T. <laughs> and this just kind of reminds me, and this isn't the first time we've seen these these kinds of claims pop up. We know Lindsay Lohan has tried to sue the makers for Grand Theft Auto and imagery that she claims they're stealing of her. Uh, we've seen, we've heard other celebrities who learned where they were used as kind of the inspiration for a character, not being happy with it. That was, uh, I don't know if you guys remember the whole thing that happened with Last of Us. The picture of the girl, the image of the girl was based off of Helen Page's character. And she didn't quite like that. Although she didn't really go to town on it because something else had happened. I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was like naked imagery and that's against her contract. So the company that had mistakenly put it in in there, which is not Naughty Dog, is a different, entirely different studio. They kind of got in trouble and that happened around the same time. (laughs) So read your... Read and protect your image as much as possible. Dance image, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. You don't want it stolen from you. You better find a way to keep it. And, and I'm not I'm not a lawyer, I would like to state, but I think old Booker T's got quite the claim here. I just looked yeah. this up. <laughs> He's I think if I were Booker T, I would have filed that suit too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is for Activision. It's just it doesn't go into a whole lot about how this is being taken down or how how this is going on, but uh, yeah, it says here Activision didn't immediately respond to a request for comment. Uh, so there, there's nothing. They were hoping that Booker T didn't play video games. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not in this day and age. All right. So what else? What other news do we have here? Um, Nintendo Direct. Um, happened i guess last week mm-hmm. uh, and they've they've announced several things that are coming out but one of the big things they announced was a remake of the game boy classic the legend of zelda Link's awakening uh, which has the internet abuzz it looks gorgeous uh, the you know the 3d representation is really pretty uh, and adorable All, like it's very um uh, mm-hmm. i don't know just uh I don't know how to describe it. Bubbly, um, kind of chibi, I guess. Chibi yeah. is probably a good word for it. Yeah. Um, very cute. And it's, I don't know, It's that's such an amazing game. I mean, what they did with four colors, you know, um, brought to to HD, it's it's neat to see what they've done. It's, it's very beautiful. But I think it's also going to be interesting to watch a whole new generation of gamer get to the end of that game and be like... What? <laughs> so so we'll see how it plays out. Um, but I don't know. Well, did you guys play the original? I did. Way, way back. Yeah. On, yeah. on the Game Boy. Oh, man. Um, yeah. So, yeah, long, long time ago. But, yeah, it's got quite the reputation and got some of the best music from the whole series. Yeah. And it, and it kind of gets overlooked these days, uh, except by people who played it because – Everyone leans into Ocarina of Time and um, yeah. Wind Waker so hard for the latest um, references, but Link's Awakening deserves quite a bit of attention. So I'm oh, glad yeah. I'm glad it's getting a remake because I felt like the Wind Waker remake was just is like super fast, right? So like you could still you could still totally play the other one and it wouldn't take any real effort to go get it. 
Um, I understand the profit profitability of putting that out for people who can just download it, but to get like people who probably weren't even alive when that game was made to get them access to it. Like, I think that's a really, really cool thing that they're doing with these remakes. Yeah. Well, and it's cool too. Cause like, like I have the, I have the wind waker one on Wii U. Um, and I've, I've got a couple of the, the 3ds remakes and most of them, it seems like they just, um, like remake it, um, like on a one-to-one scale kind of deal. Like it's the exact same game, but maybe like brought into HD, um, a slightly upscaled resolution or something like that. This is the first one that I can think of where, where like the art style and everything is completely different. Like they, they've remade to look like a completely different game basically. And just kept the, I guess the story and some of the gameplay elements the same. But um, I, I don't know. Is there another Zelda that they that they've done this to that I'm forgetting about? Uh, kind of, but not quite. Is since we didn't have an expansion topic, would we like to discuss remasters and remakes? No, we still have one other news to get. Uh, well, when we get there, <laughs> and I can cut um, that out too. Don't worry yeah, about my question. Yeah, <laughs> we can we can talk about remasters here in a second. Um, let's see. Uh, but going back to your topic, um. Talking talking about the Nintendo Direct, I watched one and I'm trying to recall what it was on it. This is a mess. Forget it. Never mind. Was it Tetris Battle Royale? <laughs> that Trey was. Dude, dude, I can't wait to turn it on and play it because I've always wanted to challenge my friends to who can pack the back of a car the best, and I feel like that's exactly what this uh, is. <laughs> I mean, I worked at UPS for like four years loading package cars, so I'll take you on. Every time, every time I pack a row of boxes better, they should teleport to your car and push yours out of the back end of it. Like, <laughs> I feel like that's what this is. I, I mean, I haven't looked at it yet, but I'm excited. Yeah, it sounds it sounds like a fun party Ooh. game. I remember now. What I saw coming out on Nintendo, the Switch, is Hellblade. Hellblade. Oh, yeah. I'll, um, I'll... yeah Hellblade is that kind of psych- psychological thriller where as you progress to the game, the character gradually like descends into insanity uh so it was that sooner is that when I, I don't know it's called hell's blade it's called hell's blade <laughs> yeah. and i i'm super I, when somebody had mentioned about it i was kind of interested but it was only on pc and there's only a few games i'll play on pc everything else i prefer on console so when i heard that it was going to be coming to a console i was like all right this might be the one thing that actually tips my scale to go buy a switch I may check it out. I don't know what the release price of it is, um, but yeah, I wanted to play it myself. With us. Huh? Huh? <laughs> it's not your friendship with us. <laughs> you say you don't want to play Smash with me and uh, <laughs> me and Shay. We're hurt. We're hurt. And see, I like to play games that I might have a chance in, and I have never in my small career of playing Smash ever defeated anybody. Okay, so one last. Well, we got a couple more. I'll just kind of run through them real quickly because these are more honorable mentions that we have. Uh, we, it is Tencent is joining Netmarble's consortium. This is I'm not fully sure on what's going on here, but it sounds like the Nexon is going to be kind of putting their stuff up for sale, 
And there's a whole bunch of companies that are looking to buy stock in the business. Right now, about 98% of the stock is owned by the by the husband, wife, and founders of Nexon. Um, there, Nexon is also one of the is the company that made Maple Story, is most known for make, making Maple Story. Then we have Ubisoft. There was a <laughs> I'm not really going to talk about it, but there was an article kind of taking pot shots at Blizzard by saying that these companies have all made had great profits and they didn't fire 800 people because the thing that kind of rubbed a lot of people wrong about Blizzard's announcement or Activision Blizzard, as people are now referring to it as, uh, kind of rubbed them wrong is that just previous to it. Oh, it's not plugged in. Just previous to it, um, people in uh, Blizzard had announced that they had, or Activision had announced that they had the best year of 2000 in 2018, and then a couple weeks after that was announcing that they were going to make layoffs. And um, so that kind of sat wrong. Continuing on to the on that path, we also have Kings San Francisco. So this is an the fallout in the wake of Activision closing down. Uh, King San Francisco, which is kind of owned by Activision Blizzard, has also shut their office as well. Um, so these are this is kind of just continuing on. And the reason why I'm kind of bringing this up is because this was stuff that we talked on last episode, and I couldn't think of a better segue <laughs> for one topic that we had, which is about violence in video games. And if you listen to our last episode, we were talking about, I had mentioned how there wasn't really great studies out there that said that violent video games wasn't a cause. Well, somebody heard me and decided that they were going to make a fool out of me. And now we have a study out of the UK. So this is from independent, uh, independent UK's website where no evidence, the title of it is no evidence playing. And I'm talking really fast because my computer is about to die. No evidence playing violent video games leads to aggressive behavior in teens study finds. Uh, so this was done in the UK, uh, they had a, a whole bunch of things. They highlighted some stuff like last year's president or last year, the Trump administration put together a, a reel for violent video games, highlighting pretty much cherry picking the worst of the worst scenes in violent video games and putting it up there. So there's really no context for what any of those scenes led up to or after. Uh, so it's a popular topic that, as we all know, to continuously bring violent video games up and say that it is the cause for a lot of the world aggression, in, especially in teens. For this particular study, they surveyed a sample of about a thousand British 14 to 15 year olds and uh, got to understand kind of their beha behavior habits. Uh, behavior habits and oh wow it says here and nearly half of girls and two-thirds of boys played video games so that's something interesting uh and what they came to find out is that there is no link that really shows that the violence that these kids were experiencing in these games led to anything on the outside world so well, Trey, i like that <laughs> <laughs> represent <laughs> that gets my stamp of approval i pre i approve their research because it backed up my position <laughs> Amen. Okay. I was so, no, I while I haven't read their study, I I know that that's what's always touted generally is that it is not ever really conclusively linked. Um, and so, like you know, if they're publishing a study that says no, it is not conclusively linked, and that no link appears despite a sixty plus percent rate in males and a fifty plus percent rate in females of being exposed to video games in some 
form fashion um, or regular input into their lives for it to not really be correlated at all to any aggressive behavior, um, then great. I mean, they give some credibility to everyone's position on that. Yeah. Yeah. The final thing it says here is just that previous studies which have found a link have relied too much on it on the teenager games gamers for information on what they are playing and their behavior. And that has led to like the the cherry picking of kind of the quality and stuff. Yeah. Right. And there's probably so many variables that you cannot control for. Like for time of exposure and average like violent level, type of violence, um, age of the person receiving the violent input. Like were they violent before they started playing video games? And, personality types, yeah. like there's just so much that it's impossible to. Well, maybe not impossible. Let me rephrase. It would be insanely difficult to control for all variables for which aggressive behavior would represent in an individual. So, mm-hmm. so I, it's it's easy to say that video games would cause it without being able to present anything other than well, look at all this violence and my kids do this. So obviously that's the problem. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Anyway. Um, I've, I've got another honorable mention, I guess. One, this one, this one um, popped off on my Google alert is just as an article that's, uh, I guess, extremely widely read according to Google uh, and related to game industry stuff. This is from billionaire365.com. Um, my and, website. <laughs> that's <laughs> sweet, man. The sharing is caring. Uh, the title of this article is Mario Kart Tour, Diablo Immortal, and the Elder Scrolls Blades are the most anticipated Android games in 2019. Now, this article doesn't really cite much in the way of sources and is not particularly well written. Uh, I mean, it's not it's not awfully written. It's just really the first line is <laughs> like all about. <laughs> I, I, I'll read I'll read this first line. Smartphones became more performant than they used to be before. So Android games have moved from boasting simple graphics and gameplay to more sophisticated ones. Like, just not a great, not great writing. There's grammar issues. There's, but uh, anyway, I at least per, I at least uh, appreciate the difference in perspective compared to what we normally run into in in the circles we run in, right? Because most of the people we hang out with are pretty hardcore gamers and don't play a lot of. Uh, I mean, what you run into a lot with with hardcore gamers is not a lot of them take mobile games super seriously right i yeah i hate the term i i, I really hate the labels hardcore casual and because it yeah itself to that whole gatekeeping yeah and i'm with you i'm just, with you but i get where you're coming from the people that would consider themselves serious gamers yeah might not. however that being said there are some serious mobile gamers Oh yeah, I mean we've got some in the club. Look at uh, like Kevin, I know has been playing the DBZ mobile game for for close to a year now, uh, and and still loving the crap out of it. So uh, Super, I, Supercell is very grateful for the mobile audience, you know, yeah. with Clash Clans and and uh, all their Clash games. So this is again, he doesn't really cite uh, sources to back up this claim, but. Um, but it, it is interesting to at least run into this perspective. Like I'm I'm used to seeing popular mobile games, right? There are things like Candy Crush Saga and you know a whole smattering of of like card games. I, I used to have a bunch of friends that played like Rage of Bahamut. Um, but it's it's interesting to start to see some of these things that have al- almost always been console or PC franchises 
move into the to the mobile platform. I mean, there have been handheld Mario games on like Game Boy and DS and stuff, but uh, I don't know, like Diablo Immortal. It seemed like there was a lot of backlash against that one when it was announced, right? So it's interesting to see it listed as one of the top three anticipated Android games. But well, also got to remember that that particular game wasn't exactly built for oh, yeah. for the the American audience. Yeah. Most games are incredibly popular in Asia. Uh, that's okay. Interesting. So that particular game is more meant is more targeted towards the Asian demographic. <laughs> I would say personally for me, I would say that's not to say us is not a strong mobile mobile, but it, they, the a- Asian continents have definitely shown more of a, of a higher tick when it comes to mobile. Yeah. There's the last kind of, uh, our honorable mention article here is also uh, Obsidian. This is from GameInformer.com. Obsidian isn't happy with fans bashing Bethesda and Fallout 76. So the, with the article, it's very quickly. <laughs> yeah. Very Too bad. Get happy. <laughs> Obsidian, uh, when the whole fall, when everything happened with 76, there wasn't a great, you know, wasn't a great move um but obsidian had also released a trailer talking about their new upcoming game the outer worlds which kind of lends itself closer to more of their style of fallout uh they're saying that what bethesda has gone and done it's that's them that's they they, and they're working and doing as hard and they've made some really great games but they don't like that people are kind of using and pointing back at that trailer as Obsidian taking shots at Fall, uh, Bethesda for it. And they're like, that wasn't our intention. It's just kind of like, you know, when you go to the movies and it says from the writers of Shrek and, you know, it's that kind of thing. They were just like, don't forget, we also made a Fallout game that everybody really likes. And that's <laughs> that's all that article was really about. Interesting. That's some nice backpedaling. Uh, <laughs> Not yeah. to put words in anybody's mouth, but that whole 76 fiasco is kind of, I don't know, whatever comes from it now is kind of, uh, you reap what you sow, you know <laughs> what I mean? So. Oh, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, all right. Well, it is. That was so- like probably 10% of the raffle prizes <laughs> at the winter party. <laughs> Just got to. Gotta mention they gave a lot of seventy-six copies away. It's, <laughs> Did they get so, immediately brought back in exchange for another prize? <laughs> yeah. Hey Trey, it is six oh one. Do you do you need to get off it, now? No, I'm actually okay for a little bit longer. Okay. I don't hear anybody running back in the house yet to demand I help unbox things. So, <laughs> okay. so, <laughs> so we're good for a little bit longer. Let's all right. So before we go into our expanded topics where we'll talk about remakes, and I think we have talked about it before, but I, I know you you Trey really want to get on to it. Let's go ahead and run through our shout outs first. So as always, thank you to, well, usually it's Trey, but that's because he's normally not on the podcast, but now we have the podcast. So this is awkward. Being on the podcast is thankless, Trey. We we don't thank you anymore. I thank you guys because I would, I'd like to say this has been a lot of fun for me the past year. And I I believe by my tick, this is released episode number 50. I know that Anchor says differently because of little this and little that. But in terms of edited episodes, I'm looking at my folder right now, and I believe that this will be what I log into as episode 50. 
And I think that is fantastic that even though we've had a few shifting hosts and a few shifting uh, locations and a bunch of other things, this has been a wonderful experience. And I, I would like to say thank you guys. Yep, it will be uploaded episode 50. So I know there will be a different number on Anchor, but um, that's because of like a DLC thing or extra episodes, this and that. But in terms of full episodes, number 50. So congratulations, guys, on making it 50 deep. And like we'll hopefully do 50 more. Yeah. So. Here's the here's hoping. Um, we are trying to get some new new people to come in and, and be on on the podcast, interview some of the game devs in the area. I know we say this every time, but it, it does take a lot to even get, like even coordinating our own schedules so that we have time to meet up and, mm-hmm. and do this podcast is pretty tough. Uh, so, of course, thank you to you guys for being so awesome and finding the time for it. And uh, thank you to Anwar, who's been working very hard. He's trying to find a great balance between his life, his work, and making sure our podcast gets up. And he's doing wonderful at it. Uh, so hopefully when he hears this, he'll know how cool and awesome he's been. And is there another one? Do we say Nirvana for for all the months of love they gave us? You just did. Yep. <laughs> Thanks. And uh, go get your coffee at Nirvana if you're in. Uh, for sure. Oh, Actually, God, I, was, I almost said Frisco. That's not right. <laughs> no, uh, it's Frisco. Actually right. Oh, it is? Okay. <laughs> Yeah, the great tie in there. If you want to join one of our physical locations, you can go out to Whole Foods off of Renner Road in Plano or Nerdvana uh, in Frisco. Both clubs start at 8 a.m. You can find more of our information either on Meetup at VGOCC.com, which the site should be working. And you can follow us on our social media or you can join us in our Discord to discuss any of the articles that you've come across or let us know what kind of stuff we do source all our news from our members are all awesome. And this is the stuff that we bring in. Also the whole foods one is Thursday and the Nerdvana one is Friday. Uh, don't just show up like any day or any time. <laughs> Cause you'll be confused. I mean, if you look at, but if you look at our meetup, you'll like the days and times are there. <laughs> Come on. I might've forgotten it. So, all right. <laughs> All right, so let's go ahead and do our our extension topic here. You want to talk about uh, remakes, remasters, ports, and all of the different various ways that you can buy an old game and play it again instead of actually buying the old game. And and so I I think this is interesting how the market has shifted this way and become very accepting. And since there's been a lot of this, and almost every time we get some kind of conference announcement, we get something about a remake. Like mm-hmm. in this case, Link's Awakening, which is great. I think it's very cool, especially since it's kind of like it's not the same as like the Wind Waker U uh, version, which is basically the same game, but with a couple of upgraded textures and like I think a few I think a few buttons like were changed or like yeah. a targeting system was altered. So some online interactive kind of stuff with like mm-hmm. message in a bottle kind of. So that's like a remastering, you know, uh, brushing up your finishing touches. But I, I like this idea that they're doing here with Link's Awakening, where it's essentially it's it's not a reskinning. Like this is a new game. Yeah. It's just it's the old game made new. Yeah. And I, I find that to be an interesting thing because yeah, who which of these like twelve year olds, unless their dad has one, like, who's going to go out and pick up a Game Boy to go? You know what? I've never played Link's Awakening. I need to do that. 
Um, Which you smart. should. You, you totally should. I'll tell you right now, you should, but but we know most of you are not going to do that. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> smart on Nintendo's part to do this, and especially because Capcom just uh, did Resident Evil 2 from scratch, right? Didn't that just come oh, out like a couple gorgeous. years ago? It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's so good. It's and so I haven't played it, but looked at it, and it's like, <laughs> this is completely new. It's got to be completely completely rebuilt from the ground up, essentially. And I'm not a programmer or a coder. But. Final Fantasy VII is also right now going through a remake. Mm-hmm. It's and it's been doing that for like second or third incarnation. Uh, well, <laughs> all the other exciting. ones have been more of a remaster. This one is a full-on remake. Like even no, I mean, like they've, they've been working on it for several years, but they had to scrap it and restart uh, at least once, if not a couple times during the process, because I think they ended up like changing teams or something because they i i don't know that's maybe i'm wrong but it's my understanding at at some point or multiple points they didn't like the direction it was going well the the original remake demo for seven was done for the ps3 like announcement and so there's already been one and maybe two console generations come out before you get a seven remake um what you're saying it's going in the way of kingdom hearts (laughs) three exactly (laughs) which is another interesting thing completely but in terms of i i would love to see a final fantasy 7 remake actually get released uh moving i just found out my original final fantasy 7 copy which was released in 1997 and i've got like all three discs still in the ps1 jewel case that was 20 uh, 22 years ago like a lot of life a couple has of happened since then. <laughs> so, you know, for a lot of those people, they just, they've heard the soundtrack or they've seen, you know, uh, other people talk about it. They've seen memes, they've seen pictures and screenshotting that, but a lot of people probably never played it yeah. uh, from people who own current console generations. If there was ever Final Fantasy that deserved to be played, you know, you want to see that. Yeah, it's, it's definitely one of the best. So, well, I mean, so. Mm-hmm. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. I'm sure your your point. Yeah, was. no. The whole reason why I see like this final, like not Final Fantasy, but these remakes happening, is more because the the hardware just isn't there anymore, mm-hmm. right? And so I see this as kind of a two thing. One, the hardware hardware is not there anymore, but there's also this nostalgia that kind of clings. And even for movies, like we see a whole lot of remakes in movies. So this is also kind of like. We're getting closer to the Hollywood. We're 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 like fifty years younger than than Hollywood, right? The industry in itself is like fifty years or something younger than Hollywood. But we're kind of starting to catch the same trends now. If mo- zombie movies are popular, then we're going to see a heck of a lot of zombie games, right? The those things we're seeing seeing a lot. Um, but going back to what I was saying, it, a lot of it is just like we, we talk about these preservations of games. And we brought this up a couple times during the podcast. Yeah. We talk about preservations of games. And some of the hardware is just not there anymore. And also for some of these companies, they didn't actually like they weren't entirely forward thinking in preserving the game code. So in the case of, of like Resident Evil 2, is it really that they remade it or did they have to remake it because they no longer had any of the source code, right? Did they, you know, those kinds of questions. Is it because they want to or is it because they have to because that hardware doesn't exist? The source code's not there anymore. Well, and I think it's going to be an interesting thing to watch as you see um, the ones that get handpicked to be restored. I think that's a great word. 
to use for what we're talking about here, like mm-hmm. Resident Evil 2 or Final Fantasy 7 or Link's Awakening. Yeah. Uh, because it seems like there's a market that is determining because, I mean, we could be nostalgic about anything, right? But that doesn't mean it's necessarily worth preserving. Yeah. And you brought up Hollywood, and back in the, like, in the 70s and the 60s, there was there started to be this this need for Hollywood to start coloring their films, like the black and whites, and they ruined a lot of the film. And so I don't remember the name of the group, but there was a group that came out and said, this is terrible, why are you doing this and ruining these films? So they began a historical preservation society for film. And began trying to collect these old film canisters that they could use to preserve these classic films that they had determined were worth saving for future generations. And so I think that the gaming industry is in a unique position to have, um, see, like, so, like, my generation, like, I was around when the Atari 2600 came out and have been playing games ever since. And so you find people my age or a little older that will have maybe a lot of influence in saying this is insanely like of insanely high quality and deserves to be preserved for future generations Yeah, who will not have access to a game boy. And I think emulators have been, have done a really good job of that, but like, let's be honest, like a lot of people nowadays, and I don't mean this derogatorily, derogatorily, it's just the way we, we uh, absorb art. Like how many people will go watch just in general, a, transformers movie and be like this is amazing look at the amazing computer stuff but then you put a black and white film noir in front of them and they'll go this is boring there's no computer stuff blowing up so i think it's important that for those people who may want to play these classic games you'll find this this preservation attempt for something like link's awakening to be completely restored from the ground up with new new graphics new controls new maps new schemes all to have a whole generation of people have access to that game that even if they had a Game Boy, still may not would even play it because it doesn't stimulate them in a similar way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. My, there, my fear, my, my one real fear when it comes to remakes is that that will be all we'll have for a while, mm-hmm. right? We're going to lose some traction and innovation and stuff like that. But also, I, I want to kind of backtrack to one of the things we were saying uh, when it comes to preservation games is for a industry that is as tied to technology as games are, it really is surprising that we don't have better ways of preserving games at all, other yes. than to do a remake, right? So, and, and that's kind of one thing that shakes me when it shakes me up whenever whenever I'm thinking about like where what's going to happen to these games in 10, 15, 20 years, some of them are just going to be lost to time. Uh, some of them are going to be preserved in YouTube videos, Let's Plays. Uh, if you can find a silent Let's Play, good luck on that. But, the, the, you know, the, that will be some ways that you will only ever be able to experience it. Right. At the same time, I'm afraid that we might get stuck or in, in particular, like the triple a space will get stuck in just continuously making remakes because they're chasing the cash right mm-hmm. and i know that's kind of like the very stereo like fear cap- capitalism bad 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 kind of thing but just who's the cynic of- now yeah i know right that's like <laughs> i'm the cynic on this one oh. right? that that's the thing we we're hearing more often game gamers are craving innovation Right. They're craving something new. 
Yeah. But that's not to say that some of them do not like to take that nostalgic trip down memory lane with a good good game that from their childhood. That's not to say. Um, but for me, I worry about that. Yeah, which I get. Um, but I think that's uh, – for most Nintendo fans, that's the thing they they tend to love the most about Nintendo is their tendency to prefer innovation more than like they've consistently made choices that were like, well, we're not really interested in pursuing, you know, the best graphics right now. We're going to still we're going to postpone moving into HD and just change how games are played kind of a deal like which they've, you know, with Wii U and Switch, they've finally made it into HD. But um but, you know, for the longest time, it, that that's what they've been about is just like, let's reinvent how games are played. So it is interesting to see them like take an original IP and 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 do like a full on remake of a classic game. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, oh, I, Nintendo. Cur- oh, do go it. Ahead. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, I didn't mean to. Oh, I was just going to say, I'm curious to see how, how much the gameplay mechanics change in this and if it if it brings its own can of of innovation to the table, I guess, um, beyond just the nostalgia of it. Right. Well, and I think we can dovetail this into what we talked about last week, um, that in the very pro-capitalist sense, like it could be as these studios keep laying people off uh, or as more people come into the market learning how to code and program and do the things needed to build games, you may see companies like uh, major, major publishing companies like either Nintendo or... um, Activision, some of these other places want to get involved in the preservation of these things and start having separate teams that will just do preservation while they have another team that continues with their innovation and the moving forward of things, which there you go. I've solved your job market problem and (laughs) solved your preservation problem, your innovation problem. Just hire more people and make them do more stuff. Um, (laughs) But I think that that's a I think it's interesting that you bring that up because um, I just lost my train of thought completely. I had a point for that. <laughs> oh, well. Um, but yeah, that just bring in uh, more people to preserve your stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, that's not what, that's what, not what I wanted to bring up with that. But uh, if you if you have more people who want to get involved in preserving, like, and not trying to say move people out to pasture to do that job. That's not what I'm getting at. But you may find people <laughs> like who, as they keep getting older and 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 still working in the business if they want they go you know what we should totally revamp this thing and preserve this game that none of these young people have played and have a separate team that wants to keep um pushing pushing the envelope on new stuff like you said with nintendo and motion controls then as long then as why not have all of it yeah. as long as it's within the company itself i agree with that uh mentality but for a lot of these companies, they're kind of also just moving on and looking for the next great thing, right? Mm-hmm. So when you go, well, okay, we'll create a, we'll just allow somebody else to do it. There's the whole protecting, and then you get into the licensing, yep. right? And that's where fan games kind of start having a lot of trouble, like fan games for Sonic in particular, which is one of the most popular stuff to start making fan games about. I don't understand that one, but okay. Um and for them, it's like, well, you guys are going to run into some trouble because you haven't licensed the IP. And that just takes up further costs when it comes to business on its own. If you are, even if it is a dev studio that is hired out, there's still something that has to be filled, some sort of licensing agreement between the parent company and whichever company is going to be doing 
the the work that has to be fulfilled there. You know, so there's there's a whole bunch of stuff on the back end that people don't exactly look for. But I like where your head's at. <laughs> and I kind of agree. If there was a way, if there was a better solution, if companies could all kind of agree on how to start preserving these intellectual properties that they might not visit back for for whatever reason, then, yeah, I, I would yeah. say better ways. Keep it in house, you know, like if Nintendo wanted to keep preserving the original Legend of Zelda. Cool. Have an original Le- Legend of Zelda remake because you already own the rights to it. Yeah. And obviously don't let Nintendo go roll out and you know what, Capcom, we want to remake uh, Mega Man 2 and, you know, screw you if you don't like it. Like, obviously you have to have legal protection for all that, but yeah, yeah. keep it, keep it in house and let these companies, I mean, it's still a cash cow. Let them remake their own games and yeah, yeah. go sell it. All right. Well, that's about all the time we have for this episode. Again, check us out on any of our social media or at our website, vgocc.com. And we hope to see you guys in the next one. But it's we hope to speak towards you. (laughs) But if you want to call in, we've been trying to get you to. (laughs) (laughs) We would love to take questions. So so tweet us. Yeah. Yeah, please do. All right, everyone. You have a great week and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.